Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello and welcome to episode 11 now of the WP Builds Podcast. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency in the north of England, and I'm joined by David Wormsley. Hi, David. Hello. How are you today? I'm very good. Um, I know that you've been feeling a little bit unwell lately, haven't you? Because you, uh, you've just been on some travels and doing something a bit special. Do you want to share that? Oh, yes. Well, I've been to my first WordCamp and I got to speak at it, which was quite good fun. But um, this was in Udapur in North India. And uh, I, I obviously ate something that didn't agree with me. And so I could have been doing this podcast on the toilet really today. So, uh, <laughs> But it would have been a bit too echoey. So, yeah. yes, I suddenly dash off. <laughs> yeah, if we if we sense that you're no longer at the other end of the microphone, we'll assume the worst and pause. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to see photos of you, uh, on stage. I think it was, I can't remember actually who posted the photos, but there you were on stage doing it. But, um, little did everybody know that it was actually at that exact moment you were feeling quite unwell. <laughs> yeah, it could have been a really embarrassing event, but, uh, it was fantastic. Actually, it was lovely. It should have a, a bit of a call out for my point because I haven't said a big thank you to, uh, Puneet and his team at Idea Box who put on the event and it was so well organized it was really nice they took care of us really well and uh, yeah and also a big shout really I guess to um, Sujay from um, from Ultimate Add-ons for Beaver Builder because of course he's the one who posted up my picture and embarrassed ah. me with that. That's, that's who it was. Yes, I'd forgotten that it was him. But yeah, that was it was just really nice to see, um, you know, the fruits of your labor, people coming to watch you speak and all of those kind of things. But uh, I'm glad that you're feeling well and you're back back yeah. to normal. Um, right. So we should probably crack on with episode 11. This this episode is actually going to be um, all about. Well, it's called how to cope with the feast and famine cycle of being a freelancer, specifically to do with web development and WordPress. But first of all, we should probably share a very small amount of news. Um, we've got four pieces today. The first one is that apparently, and now I, I don't really use WooCommerce, uh, I never never have, but um, apparently from now on, in order to access WooCommerce.com, you're going to need a, a WordPress.com, not .org, um, account. So I think people have been a little bit irritated, not by the fact that this is happening, but by the fact that nobody announced it. It just sort of happened. And when they tried to access WooCommerce.com, they were told, no, go away, find a WordPress account first and link it up. I, we discussed this a tiny little bit before coming on air, and you didn't think it was of, of any great importance, did you, David? Not particularly. I think if it's just getting to the documents and any of your purchases from them i just thought that's fine it what worries me a little bit that they might be going the way of jetpack where in order to use that plugin you had to sign in with a uh, an account actually in your back end of your install which is something i wouldn't have liked to have happened i yes. hope that isn't the way they're going no we were also talking i think it was um me that that said maybe you disagree with this or agree with it it feels to me like maybe this is the first first shot that's fired in pulling WooCommerce under WordPress 
under WordPress's banner proper, if you know what I mean. Um, it strikes me that having WooCommerce as a brand um, is ultimately not a sensible proposition. It, to me, it would feel better if it were called, um, I don't know, uh, WordPress Commerce or something. Um, it would feel cohesive. And obviously, when they're trying to pitch themselves against the likes of Wix, Wix sorry, and Squarespace, then having e-commerce in an understandable way for some newbie um, perhaps branded WordPress commerce might be a sensible uh, move and may maybe that's what's happening ultimately. Who knows? Certainly there must have been an awful mm. lot of programming going on in the background to make this happen. Um, but yeah, that's that's my take on it. I could be utterly wrong. Number two. Yeah, I'm looking at the word. Mm. Go on. I was just going to say, I'm looking at the word here and all you need to do is remove a O and put R and D and you've got word commerce, haven't you? Which yes. Is, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, word, yeah, word commerce. That would work, wouldn't it? That'd be quite nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. I prefer that instead of WordPress commerce. That works for me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you should go out and patent that <laughs> quickly. Buy the domain. <laughs> Uh, wordcommerce. I bet it's gone.com. I bet so. Yeah. No, number two then is StudioPress sites. Yesterday, um, StudioPress released what they're calling WordPress on autopilot, I think. And essentially, it's to me, it's basically um, WordPress hosting with 20 Genesis themes thrown in, or child themes, should I say, and um, a whole range of one click installs of popular. Uh, favorite plugins like Beaver Builder Lite and uh, Restrict Contents Pro and Easy Digital Downloads and there's a whole bunch of them that you can just download. It feels to me as if that it's basically just hosting and it's their way of, well, maybe it's halfway between WordPress.org and the Rainmaker platform, which didn't seem to gain the traction that they'd hoped. Mm. Yeah, I think the big thing, I mean, it, it came to me via the Beaver Builder group because they're including aren't they the beaver builder light version that's right the download but it, actually in some ways they're recommending it i think because as i understand this you can download what you like from the repository while using this service or if i got that wrong no you're absolutely right you've got ftp not sftp you've got ftp access and you can download theme different themes different plugins um obviously having not played with it I don't know if they've got any interesting restrictions on there um, about plugins that you can't download. Perhaps, I don't know, maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But if not, then it just basically felt to me like it was something that it just felt like hosting because if you could just simply go in and delete their themes, um, well, you know, that, that's just hosting to me. But obviously, if they've got some sort of one-click installer and an easy way of um, managing themes and, you know, for a complete newbie yeah. signing up for, I think it was 20, 20 something dollars a month, maybe it was $30 a month, and then going in and just saying, I want that theme, and it's already, um, I don't know, configured so that it just works really nicely. Um, I can see the value in that. I absolutely can. It's not for me, but I could see that a, a proportion of people would do it. I mean, it's just another example of WordPress being commoditized, packaged, and um, you know, sold off under different brand names. Um, it feels to me a little bit like this is the sort of thing that hosting companies are going to do in the future, a little bit like GoDaddy have done. Maybe people like Manage, sorry, not Manage, uh, WP Engine and Flywheel and those kind of people will start to do this kind of thing rather than it just be hosting and you spin up an example of an instance of WordPress. Maybe it'll come with themes bundled in and, I don't know, uh, Beaver Builder and mm. whatnot. Interesting. Um, mm. 
Update to 4.7.2 of WordPress, if you haven't done already. There was a fairly serious security vulnerability um, discovered by Securi uh, in the WordPress, WordPress REST API. Um, I did read it, and I've now forgotten what the, the, the big drawback was. There was a whole bunch of minor problems, and then there was this one large problem, the REST API problem. And I think it basically allowed somebody who crafted a particular... Um, URL in a particular way to inject arbitrary code and execute that code. Needless to say, whatever it was and whatever the depth and severity of it was, go and update immediately if you haven't already been automatically updated. Um, and lastly, it's not really news this, it's just a sort of shout out. Um, mm. And the it really, we're both in the page builder space a lot and the Elementor page builder. Now, I don't know if this is tied to the free version or if this is something that only the pro users get, but they've come out with this background um, gradient option, which to me, it, it's just it, it's just nice to see what's going on in this space, that things are being iterated upon slowly and surely. Um, looks like Elementor are doing it in little packets. They're releasing little features one at a time whereas Beaver Builder seemed to come out with a much more substantial release uh, that offers a lot in one hit. Maybe this is the way Elementor are going to do it in order to sort of keep themselves at the front of people's minds. Any thoughts mm. on that? No, um, not really. I was, it's interesting because I did that little talk on uh, page builders, and I didn't know something until I put that together. I, I found about 25 page builders out there in the WordPress space at the wow. moment. And I'm sure sure I missed some. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's incredible, isn't it? So Elementor is, you know, it, it's coming to the forefront there. I think probably because it offers so much for free. Yes. I, I think uh, they're claiming now to have 300,000 downloads. I mean, I don't know if that means it's installed and running or if it literally means that it's been downloaded 300,000 times. But, yeah, they've got a lot of traction um, and good luck to them. Obviously, you know, the more the more competition there is in this space, the better. Um, I think we both know where our loyalties lie. But there you go. That's another thing altogether. So there we go. News uh -huh. is over. That's the news for this week. And now we're on to the main topic, which is, um, yeah, how do you cope with the feast and famine cycle of being a, a freelancer? This, of course, is predicated upon the assumption that you do have a feast and famine problem. <laughs> I'm sure that there are bunches of us out there who don't, who just have a lovely steady flow of income as if it were a salary. But that is not me. <laughs> Do you, what about you? Well, no, I mean, again, we're into a subject which we really can't talk about. So we're just sharing our experiences and our thoughts. Hopefully people will join us with this but yeah so i mean my winning formula uh -huh, is that i doing this job as a freelance a website builder by going to india and living quite cheap so when the famine comes it's not such a big problem yes and when the feast comes at the moment it's been saying no right uh, which is really dumb yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's interesting i mean i I absolutely cannot claim any authority in this area in the sense that I, I do not pretend to have a solution to this because I suffer from it badly. Um, so I, my hands are up right at the beginning. Um, I, I want to know how to fix this. Um, and if anybody has any really interesting answers, I'd love to hear them. I re genuinely would. My, my cycle is very much feast and famine. Um, I've managed to alleviate 
my famine cycle a bit by setting up recurring revenue for things like um, um, hosting and um, care plans, website care plans, which has helped a great deal. But I still suffer from um, periods where I don't have any work coming in and then I rely on the war chest of money that I've put away from previous projects. But I'm not very clever about that in that, as an example, at the moment, um, as of a couple of weeks ago, I'm really busy. Um, I've got a lot of projects going on at the same time, some of them pretty big for me. And Mm -hmm. so for the next few months, I will be working flat out to meet the deadlines because I wish to get that work at the time that it was that I was proposing for it. Um, but then what's always happened in the past is that there'll be periods where that kind of runs out and I'm unable to sort of generate any revenue. And I, I, I don't really have a, a solution for that. I just start eating into the money that I'd previously earned. But I would I would dearly love to make it more regular and I'm sure there are ways that I could have done it but I, I don't have any mm. you know it's so interesting for me because I mean if anybody knows my story it's I kind of drifted into doing this and uh, it's only been over the last I, just over three years if you like that I've been this has been my sole income if you like building some websites and I'm largely doing them for somebody else in their business and they have feast and famine as well but uh, somehow you know and i think it's a lot to do with india but i spend an awful lot of money going traveling <laughs> um but somehow it seems to have worked out without me having to worry about it um but i'm moving i mean i'll t- we'll talk later i want to hear more about yours but i'll I've, i have a plan in mind and i've been planning for it for for a number of years to avoid getting this feast and famine Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really genuinely don't don't have a solution. I mean, essentially, my process kind of works like this is, you know, I propose for work, um, I get accepted for work, or I get declined for work. And then I work as fast as possible, and as hard as possible to get that one out of the door, so that the next set of proposals that are either being created, or, or you know, I'm still waiting for clients to come to me and, and request a proposal, um, so that so that I can then start on the next one. And so I work furiously, I work really hard, I often stay up quite late to get things finished. And then if I don't have something else, then um, then I'm, I'm just sort of scratching my head and, you know, coming up with ways to get myself out there um, and doing things to, you know, to make sure that my other clients are aware that I offer this, that and the other service. Um, but th- there must be ways of managing it. I mean, I'm thinking that really I should approach it more as a, as a nine to fiver and strictly book myself in at those times. Um, I'm also aware that I should probably tell people that I've got a roster um, and that, I don't know, if you accept this proposal, I shan't be beginning for another month or two months or three months or whatever would be sensible at that moment in time. But I have um, a fear, I suppose, that that will drive people away and I've never even tried it. Um, I always just say, yes, I can start within the next few weeks because I have been able to manage it. Um, but it, but it's not a clever way of approaching it. And and I'm thinking the body of work that I've got on right now is going to keep me busy for three months at least. 
and I'm, I'm actually going to see somebody tomorrow to um, to discuss a new website so I might just try out my own advice and say look if you accept any proposal I send to you I shan't be beginning until I don't know April or middle of May or something like that mm. yes it's interesting because I mean I know the figure that you've got on your job there and you know mine's what well, I don't think my highest would be like 20% of that you know for right. a big job for me uh, of ones that I've done but you know I'm going to a very different perspective so when I came into this you know I I I didn't like the idea of being a freelancer too much because I, I wanted to build a business that could run without me. So a couple of books that influenced me and a couple of chats actually in the earlier days in the Beaver Builder group. And I think I've probably mentioned this before, but I'll tell you the books uh, Built to Sell and The E-Myth Revisited. So Built to Sell, I think it's by a guy called John Warlow. Sounds like my teeth are falling out with that name. Warlow. (laughs) (laughs) Chewing jelly. Um, And, and, oh, I forgot. Michael Gerber. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, they were a real inspiration. But these other people who do their web businesses like that were an inspiration as well because they made it more real to me. Um, there's a guy called Dustin Overbeck who's in, in the Beaver Builder Facebook group, really knowledgeable guy mm. who runs a business. And I really wanted that model and that's what I've been working to. But here's the problem. <laughs> I could do it because I can afford to take some time out and not working and document things. So my process is going to be very simple. It's automated, you know, certain amounts of customers will get a course to go on to learn what it is that they, how to make their aims, how to get their stuff together, what a website is all about, how we work. And they only come in to work with us on a set period of time, of which they pay up front as a product. So they effectively are buying the time. And that time isn't necessarily me. So the person I work for, we're doing a few trial runs soon, is gonna be the person that they get and I'm in the background doing the developer stuff that can't be easily done with a, a page builder or the theme. And uh, yeah, and then the idea is that they're not forced into it, but they're strongly encouraged with incentives to take up a year of care plan with hosting that follows directly after that, which of course they prepay for. So it cuts out a lot of the, lot of the, the problems there. They, in terms of the process but in terms of the famine and feast it means that in theory if i've got this running somebody's taking care of the hosting i can my number one job is just doing the marketing i um i, I think that that is my dream um is to have enough um r- recurring revenue which basically for me can be boiled down to um care plans that that's the vast majority of my recurring revenue um, in order that no matter what happened, uh, I could I could get through well, let's say a year, without having any new website building work. That would be absolutely marvellous. In my case, it's completely crucial that that money comes in because you know I've got the mortgage and I've got um, the children and I've got three children and or and, and a wife and and all of all of the things of life that require in the UK um, quite large amounts of money um, you know everything tends to be quite expensive these days especially mortgage repayments so there, there are times when not to put too fine a point on it I've been properly terrified 
that um, that I'm not going to meet those obligations. Now, as luck would have as luck would have it, I've never um, I've never yet scraped the barrel so badly that I've I've lost anything. I've always something has come along. Some ray of hope has always been on the horizon, um, and, and on the whole. Um, this business has worked very well for me. You know, if, if I was to look at my accounts over the years, mm. I, I am it's it's worked fine. It's just the 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 troughs that are followed by the peaks. Um, you know, a lot of my friends who have got nothing to do with WordPress or web development, they just get paid a salary, and mm. and and I feel that 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 must be so reassuring. It's so lovely to just have that even steady income. And it's just not something that people like you and I are familiar with. And it's fascinating that you... Was it your intention to go to India to enable you to try this out then? What what were you doing previously that, that, that made you move to India? What was, was it because you wanted to try this out and realise there'd be peaks and troughs and it would be potentially unprofitable for a while? Nathan, actually, I just lost a little bit of the conversation there, so I'm going to go and answer that with what I thought. I, I oh, heard. okay. Uh, uh, yeah, but um, but yeah, how did I end up going to India? Was this the reason? And in a way, no, it wasn't. We came. I took a career break because I thought I was bored of my job, and I knew I needed to do something. So I came out to India, then couldn't get rid of that. So I spent a year out here, and then when I went back to my job, I just knew it was over for me. I needed to do something new. And I kind of went off with some other ideas, really, which was more to do with tourism. And I didn't do that because somebody gave me a, a web development job. And from there on, it uh, I mean, I always thought I might do that to make up the shortfall um, that I might make websites because I always have done some of that. But it wasn't the primary goal of coming out to India to do that. But almost as soon as I came here, I thought if I'm doing this web business, I've got to do it as a business rather than and i think this is the thing the books like i mentioned is and it's how you go about setting up your business the e-myth revisited is very much about that situation that most people are not uh, entrepreneurs as such what they are is people who have a skill and say well i can do this for my own business and they go and take their skill and they work but they end up hitting a problem because if work increases and they do well out of their good work they need to scale up and they often are not prepared for that because they're too busy uh, running there. So they're too busy working in their business and not working on their business. So they can't train somebody else up to do what they do. And uh, that's <laughs> where we got stuck. Oh, gosh. I don't know if you can hear that. We've got a bit of noise. Yeah, there was a little moment there. Don't worry. Do you know I, what? I think we're both suffering from noise today, aren't we? I've got a builder next door who's um, decided to scrape on the walls and whatnot, and I keep turning the microphone off to make it quiet in between. Um, it's fine. You know, it, it, we're, we're real, aren't we? We live in real places with real noise going on in the background. So I think it's fine. Just, yeah, keep, keep going. That's that's. I'm really yeah. interested in what you're saying. Yeah, so that was that's the the problem that he was trying to solve, and in both of these books, they're taking real life examples, if you like, of businesses and saying what goes on. You know, you build up and you maybe take on staff, those staff aren't going to be as passionate about it as you are, not as uh, trained up as you are, because it's very difficult to allow that time when you're building your business to be able to train somebody else up to do that. So you're going to get caught in a loop, you know, and then your business suffers if you you know if you want to go on holiday or you want to scale up you know you've not recruited people well you've not set up systems for them to be able to do what you do in an organized method and they won't do it the same as you do 
and then you start to lose your business, you know, yeah. uh, scale down. And this is the, the, the cycle that goes on there is the problem that it describes. And I'm trying to avoid that. What's that book called again? Uh, E-Myth Revisit is, is the one that I'd recommend. Very cheesy kind of book uh, to read. There's an audio book as well, which is, you know, but it, it it's, it's maybe sounds a little bit patronizing to some ears, but it is a fabulous book. The advice is fantastic you know yeah i think i think it would be good to take that advice you know if you're just beginning that might be great advice to to implement at the outset um mm. you know to have all these processes to make sure that you're making time to think about the business and not just work in the business i yeah. I, I yeah I, I suffer from that very very badly to me the feast famine cycle necessitates that well that's an excuse it, it probably shouldn't but it it always has necessitated that i work um in you know f for my business doing work for clients and i i never really spend a great deal of time pontificating um about the process and what i should do and how i should um make sure that there's no famine and feast cycle and have processes to even that sort of stuff out um and actually Interestingly, just doing this podcast and talking about it all the time has been very, very good for me. It's quite cathartic and it's quite, uh, well, it just forces me to elucidate these thoughts and, and express them. And by doing, by expressing them and talking about them with you, I've been far more thoughtful about the way I've done things. And, I, and I'm just wondering if that will pay. I mean, we've been doing this for 11 weeks now, so a little over mm -hmm. two months. And and there's definitely processes that I have forced myself to put in place since we've begun this conversation on this weekly podcast. But I, I genuinely would be interested to hear um, other people's stories because I'm sure that this must be something which keeps a lot of WordPress developers, well, web developers, awake at night. Um, and and I, I as yet haven't got a solution. But I, I'm interested to hear about... Um, if anybody does put a comment, I'd be interested to hear about software that you use, um, maybe some documentation that you've you've forced yourself to use, something that you've written out, some I don't know, some workflow that you've got going on. Um, maybe you get, maybe you offset some of that work to a to somebody in a different part of the world. Um, what do they call them? VAs or something? Virtual assistants? <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff. You know, do you farm some of it out to somebody to somebody that that you that you can manage to pay? anything like that would be really useful some of the um the wp elevation stuff that that i was a member of for a while it, it was all um there was a lot of material in that course or sorry in that organization shall we say that membership that was created mm. just to tackle these problems um i'm not i'm no longer a member um and i wonder actually whether i should um, get some get some time back in that membership and start to read some of those courses because they they are you know they're, they're well thought through and and these are some of the things that i need to address right now yeah there you go yeah no i'm interested i mean have you had a situation where you've been given too much work more than you can well let's put it like this have you been offered a job that you don't think you could handle on your own um, yes, there are a couple of jobs that I've I've just simply turned down because I thought I actually can't do that. One of them was a Magento job, and it was about uh, I don't know if you know much about Magento, but it's um it's an open source uh, e-commerce platform. I suppose ultimately it does a lot of what WooCommerce does, but it that w without trying to m make it sound um, 
too difficult. It's a lot more difficult to work out than um, than WooCommerce is, I think. That seems to be the reputation of it anyway. And there were a few things once I got into it. I've done quite a few Magento sites, but I knew straight away what this person wanted was, was going to be something I couldn't handle. Now, at that point, I could have been your sort of um, aggressive... Um, I guess web developer who just thought, yeah, I'm going to take it on, and I'm going to either figure it out myself or I'm going to hire somebody. But my instinct, because I want to protect my family and I'm cautious, I think, was to just bat that work away and think, I don't want that headache. I don't want to be up at eleven o'clock at night worrying about this problem that I don't really have the skill set to deal with. So I have I have batted a bit of of, of work away, but usually. The work that comes my way, I, I I either know what to do, or I think that's that's so close to my set of skills that I can I can quickly figure that out with a with a little bit of a look around a forum or a few questions somewhere or other. So it doesn't often happen, um, and at the minute I'm really busy and I've taken on things that I know I can achieve again with a little bit of a little bit of reading around. So no, it's not something I'm very very familiar with. Have you had to turn anything down? I turned some down. Well, yes, actually, a couple of people that I know, and it's just due to being active in this Beaver Builder community. Really, a couple of people that have become friends have let me in on some of their jobs, and they've they've found some great jobs, really, really big ones. And uh, one was uh, I was being asked to to work on it, but it was really beyond my ability, and I thought it would be sleepless nights, and it didn't go ahead. But they got their job, and they they would have gone for it, and they can still get those jobs, and they. This person I won't mention the names no. is 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 a, a natural salesperson and knowledgeable on the job, but you know not a proper developer. Similar sort of skill set to me, you know, mm. knows knows enough, mm. but uh, not stuff. But he's very keen to be going down that way and has, um, he, he has got somebody a developer from the Philippines. Oh, okay. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people pick uh, developers from the Philippines because very good language skills there and. Uh, find it uh, quite easy to to work with their culture as well um so he's he's been passing some work to him so he's kind of gone that way you know putting himself more in the role of the salesperson and another friend as as well as, as again i advised him wrongly <laughs> to not take a, a fairly big job and i think it's some museum or something um but he's done it uh, it's a big job for him he's getting more work he's managed to pull through a bit of help from some other people who helped him out and didn't need to actually go out there and buy somebody else's work was able to sort of compromise on some things that would be stretching him and uh, so yeah I think sometimes I'm a little bit too cautious with these things oh without a doubt that that has been my approach to to this whole business um, of mine I think I I I can't put my family through it um, I just don't want to do it. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a wealthy person and I don't actually have any pretensions of ever being wealthy. It'd be nice to have some more money, but I would rather have a nice family life where I'm not stressed and not up at 11 o'clock at night and I'm not getting cross because I'm sleep deprived. So I would probably rather turn work down. Now that's going to sound like an anathema to a lot of people. They're going to think that's crazy. But that you know, we make these choices, don't we? And and that is a choice that I'm I, I am ultimately happy with, um, he, because because I've got enough. But you know, obviously, for some people, they would like to have a big agency and all of those kind of things. And you know, if those situations arose and the docs lined up for me, 
and that all was going to work out and I could still avoid the stress and I was intelligent intelligent enough to pull it off then I, I, that would be nice too but in the short term whilst my kids are very young I think it's important to uh, to alleviate the stress as much as possible so I, yeah yes. I, I do turn things like that down and I probably still would whereas your, your more ballsy ballsy web developer would just get on with it and do it I'm sure I think there's something about planning for the future. I mean, one thing I looked at because I was an employee most of the time. I used to do a lot of agency work, so I was used to the fact that I couldn't guarantee my work, and it, you know, I had to work on the basis that they would like me and think I was skilled enough to rehire all the time. So I, I didn't. I, although I had a 15-year period where I was fairly secure with the government before that, I, I chanced my arm all the time with agencies. But I, I looked at my brothers and sister-in-law now they both like that but they all, all three have small businesses that really rely entirely on them I mean my brother I think he has something like 40 staff though but you know his life has just gone <laughs> because he's never set in process he's never trusted somebody to be a manager to train them up to relieve him so he's, he's constantly sort of juggling all of this the extra staff he takes on yeah and yeah. I look at his life and I just think, oh, man, you're going to wake up and say, what was all that about? You know, because he's getting, the problem is they're all getting to uh, my age. They're all either in or coming towards their 50s. And, uh, and uh, they, you know, they, they haven't got that uh, physicality that they used to have, yes. you know, that ability to, to keep going at it. And so, pres presumably the business is less, is worth less. I don't mean worthless. I mean worth <laughs> yes less because there there isn't a path to sort of selling it on um and when they come to the end of their time in that business somebody's going to really struggle to sort of take it over because there's no processes and yeah this is this is all important stuff that i should be listening to i should um i should definitely pay attention to this and put these processes in place and like i say listening to you talking about it and us discussing it it really does make me think like I don't have any process for sort of siphoning off money to do ordinary things like I don't know Facebook ad campaigns or getting the new laptop. I just spend it when it's there, and when it's not there, I don't spend it. But yeah, I, I should be yeah. a little a little bit more more thoughtful about all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting because I mean, how long have you been doing this as your well, main income? Ten years more since yeah, yeah, yeah. since Drupal five or four or something like that. A long time ago. Um, it was interesting you saying that about your brother. And I, I once worked for somebody um, on a very ad hoc basis when they had work, and I, I was really amazed by how giving they were of their business to me. Essentially, um, I walked through the door on day one, and they immediately handed me responsibility for doing this thing. And it was like, okay, here's the SSH keys. Just get on with it and do it. And you know, it was on a live site. Um, and I just thought, boy, you are really trusting that I'm just not going to screw this up. And I didn't. And I kind of repaid that trust with hard work and diligence and got the job done. But it did make me think, well, yeah. you know, that was a really interesting approach. Whereas your brother in, in his own business is, has got a very different approach. He likes to keep all the all of his cards close to his chest and make sure that he's running it and knows everything that's going on. Whereas this guy just let me do anything immediately. Um, and he didn't even give me a pep talk about okay, I'm giving you all this responsibility, just get on with it. He just handed it to me and presumably understood that I knew um, how to how to break a site and how to fix a site and how to not break a site. And I just got on with it. 
Um, but I genuinely, if I'd have been, in, you know, less conscientious or less knowledgeable about what I was doing at that moment, I could really have mocked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love them all over them. McDonald's, you know, have a model that everyone should look at who's in business, really. I mean, they, you know, created this wonderful franchise that, uh, well, it depends who you're talking to when you say wonderful, but yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in business terms, you know, it runs the same pretty much everywhere. Everything is timed. It's turned into a documented process of which the person who takes it on can train the next person to do it. And it's phenomenal. I, I, I'm almost, I am ashamed to admit this, but I'm going to. I, I went for, um, when I came out of university, I went along for a McDonald's manager um, session. It was a kind of interview, but it was also yeah. a, a two-day course thing where you learn how it worked. And it's really fascinating. It stuck with me about exactly how they planned everything. And you could see that their managers didn't need to be well educated. They just needed to have a very good system and it would run. Yes, um, follow and, the and process. How, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what unfortunately that's what I mean that's exactly where I'm going with this. It's taking so much time. I, in some ways, I've got staff without having staff at all. I've got a good friend who will be the tester, if you like, for replacing me for getting websites going, and that's her own business. So we're just in a, in a way in a sort of partnership. And mm. I've got my wife, who's trained now to do the um, care stuff, and and that runs because she's documented all of that. So we'll keep documenting all of this stuff. But the, the idea is that you, can, you we will have to trust somebody and the documents we've made, so we can hand it over and scale up. Um, uh, do you have a system out, for sort of, of deploying those documents then? Have you sort of curated them into a, I don't know, in like a, 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 a yeah. how to describe it? You've, you've got them folders within folders and it's all organized correctly or is it is it still all a lot in your head? No, it's a knowledge base. We've, I've got two knowledge base. One that's actually we've been built that's uh, private somewhere, which is a staff one, right. which is putting all the stuff. Uh, so we've already set up the roles as well. This is another thing that goes back to that book, you know, you actually start to look at your job in terms of what it would break down into job titles that you would give somebody right. else to do. Yeah. So we've already done that process. So we've got two knowledge base out there. One which is uh, a, a sort of staff one one sort of process. Is what, one's a sort of customer one should they need it later. But I don't know if that's going to go quite live as we thought. But we thought we'd create a knowledge base for customers who come on and want to be able to do the changes on the site and that's, one full staff. I think yeah. that's tremendous. Really well done. Congratulations for getting out there and doing it. But I, I don't really um, have anything like that because I have no pretensions at the moment of, of being anything other than me. But I would like to think that from this conversation, if I did employ somebody or you know hire a VA or something, I would sit down, knuckle down and do the documentation and make sure that the process wasn't just in my head and I was therefore constantly on calls and explaining what you've done wrong. It's, you know, just follow the instructions. And if you follow the instructions, it'll all work out fine. Yeah, that's brilliant. Do you think you'd, if you'd have stayed in England? Mm. Interesting question. <laughs> Do you think the, the fact that you've moved to India and set this all up whilst, um, how to put it, whilst life is a little bit less expensive, do you think mm. you could have pulled off what you are pulling off at the moment whilst you were living in England? You see, this is the problem, isn't it, all the time? I don't know is the answer. I, I think I would have been pushed because what I would have to have done, I would have just stayed in my main job. Even if I, 
I would have been allowed in my job to have reduced my hours, which was uh, a thing I was thinking about in order to set something up entirely different, in fact. Um, but I think it's really difficult. Mm. Uh, I am lucky to have been able to move off and say, okay, well, we'll be okay, really, for a couple of years here. You know, if we don't yeah. do any work, it's not going to end. As it happens, there's just been the right amount of work to me to think about all of these things and mess around with them yes. and be able to do enough work to not dig into it. You know, we're actually better off than we were when we left, which was a big surprise. Right. So, you know, which is, yeah, amazing given how little I've worked and how much time I've had off traveling, you know, yeah, for yeah, like four, four months. <laughs> <laughs> but you. it's, you know, it, it's because of the, the low cost of our day-to-day -day living now, you know, that yeah. I've been able to spend a bit on the travel. Well, but you know what? Yeah. It's it, it, not necessarily the case because clearly people... People do this stuff in the UK and in North America and Australasia and, you know, expensive mm. parts of the world. They do do it all the time. I think you've got to be a certain personality type. Um, mm. And, well, obviously that can change. You can become a different personality, can't you, if you show choose it. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting that, that, that potentially that decision of moving to India has, has enabled you to do that. And what a good call that will have been if you look back in 20 years' time, wherever you are, and... Um, and and that's been successful and that that two years or three years or whatever you end up spending in india um has really helped you to do that that's great yeah well the, the thing is it's all yet to be seen because you're actually doing you've got 10 year history of not undervaluing yourself managing to <laughs> pull off a living quite well and here's mine is theoretical which all sounds very good but and i i'm making do but we you know i could be completely going down the wrong path you know so it's everybody everybody could watch me fall on my face publicly well do you know it's lovely though that i really like these frank and honest discussions it's really you know i i like the fact that we both feel able to sort of tell the truth about ourselves and it's not we're not trying to present ourselves as some sort of um expert you know warts and all really um I think I think we've probably have we done that subject. Do you think justice? Have you got anything else you want to add? Uh, do you know there's so much we could talk about? Oh. I, we probably haven't done it justice, but I think we've talked for long enough, don't you? No, I think so. But I, I would like to reiterate again: if anybody does get this far, please let us know your process. Something that you've I don't know failed at, something that you've succeeded at, something that you're going to try in the near future. Because I genuinely. I would like to improve my processes and make it less feasty famine. -y. Um so yeah, with with that in mind, I will uh we'll sign off and we'll say sayonara for another week and um yeah. cheesy music coming in. So I've been oh. Nathan Wrigley and uh, I'd be David Wom here. Hey, we haven't got our message. Oh yeah, we What's haven't, our, we haven't our, put the our, little... Oh, I know, great one. Use on. your noggin. You... <laughs> <laughs> so this is our little thing to put in the to put in any commenting section that you find this on um yeah use your noggin it basically in english parlance that means um i don't know think think first use your use your brain use your noggin use your, your noggin brain. being your brain yeah that's lovely right so now cheesy music coming in and uh, and i'll say goodbye <laughs> bye bye